Hello, hello, everyone. Welcome to Heal Thyself. Very special show we have. Thank you for joining, of course, every single week or today. Really, really, really exciting because I'm going to be doing a myth buster show, meaning that I asked and put on Instagram, please drop in your myths that you would like busted. So we're going to go over some myths that you may or may not hear. Are they good for my health? Is this is this intervention better for me? Is it worse? Is it real? We're going to go over them. It's going to be a fun show. And also we have Dr. Natasha Beck as our special guest. Now, if you have kids or know anyone who has kids who can use some help in getting a healthier lifestyle going and intervening with that, she's the person to talk to. She's the person to listen to. And it's a super exciting conversation we're going to be having about optimizing your kids' overall health and how to get them eating healthier and how to empower them. It's going to be amazing. So without further ado, let's get to this knowledge bomb. It's a real exciting show, the Mythbuster show. Uh, I just had the idea, especially when I saw on the internet, one of these interventions about doing this I think it was uh, taking this supplement before doing this is the best thing you could do for your health. I said, you know what? There's so much crap out there on the internet. There's so much crap on Instagram, on blogs that like, let's just do a Mythbuster show and find out, is it real or is it fake? So this is going to be really fun. Um, so thank you for everyone for who submitted. Some of these questions were really amazing. Some of them, I just forgot that it was even a thing. So I'm so happy to be addressing this. Let's start. Swimming after eating is bad. I was told this so many times growing up, and I, I know I heard this. Now, is it a myth or is it true? All right, it's a little bit in the middle, and here's why. It's not necessarily bad per se, quote unquote, right? Bad, but strenuous activity will disrupt digestion. So think about it this way. When you eat, you need to be in parasympathetic rest and digest mode. Doing something like swimming or being very active for a prolonged amount of time is going to activate the fight or flight. So that blood that is being shunted into your digestive system is moving out into your muscles, into your bones, into your joints, into your lungs to help facilitate the activity, which in effect is going to disrupt in a digestion flow. So think about it that way. So if you do need to be swimming, I would take it more relaxed. So uh, that myth lands right in the middle. Soy, is it bad for you because it mimics estrogen? Now, many of us believe that tofu or soy will disrupt our hormones. And they believe that soy is estrogenic. And soy is present in tofu, edamame, tempeh, miso. Here are a few points to bring up. Soy is a phytoestrogen. Phytoestrogen is not the same thing as a female estrogen. It doesn't affect us the way that we may think. So just because we ingest soy doesn't mean it exerts an estrogenic effect on the body. On the contrary, it's protective against the binding of the form of estrogen that promotes cancers like ovarian and breast. So it's actually blocking the binding of that estrogen and protecting the receptor. That's the amazing intelligent design that's coming from nature. This is echoed by multiple Asian studies. We see that women who eat soy regularly will lower their breast cancer risk. Now I'll mention that there are other variables that could be influencing these results because we see a positive effect the younger you start eating soy at protecting the breast. So, it's, so it depends on the amount of time you spend on eating soy, but it's a really good guide to understanding the way soy works in the body. Soy has not been shown to promote hormonal disruption, affect sexual development, fertility, or thyroid health. It has the isoflavone constituents that are largely therapeutic to the body. And we see that it may be contributing to better heart health. It's an excellent source of protein, especially if you're looking to replace or reduce animal protein, lower in saturated fat and cholesterol comparatively. Now, can everyone tolerate soy? No. 
Some folks have a gut bacteria composition which poorly tolerates soy in the body. Additionally, soy must always be organic. Soy is one of the most heavily sprayed crops. Actually, the real question is, is soy affecting you? Or is the sensitivity to the pesticides, herbicides, insecticides being sprayed on it heavily the real thing that you're reacting to? It's a good question. So stop being scared of soy, try it out. It's not gonna affect your hormones, but listen to your body. If you're sensitive to soy, maybe it's not for you, or maybe your gut needs a little bit of healing over time, and then you'll be able to tolerate it fine. So soy is estrogenic is a myth. Vitamin D has no effect on COVID. This is a myth, and we're starting to see this more and more. A few studies came out suggesting there is a role that it could be very much so significant. Vitamin D supports the immune system, we know that. It reduces viral replication, we know that. In September 2020, in the Journal of American Medical Association, we see a study of 489 patients who had a vitamin D level measured in the year before COVID testing. The relative risk of testing positive for COVID-19 was two times greater for patients with likely deficient vitamin D status compared to those who are likely sufficient in vitamin D. A month later, another study came out. In the Journal of Clinical Endocrinology and Metabolism, what do we see? Vitamin D levels are lower in hospitalized COVID-19 patients than in population-based controls, and these patients had higher prevalence of deficiency. 80% of the people in the study were diagnosed with COVID were also vitamin D deficient. And now, last month, a new study in the Journal of American Medical Association found that African-American individuals who had levels of 30 to 40 nanograms per milliliter had 2.64 times higher risk of testing positive for COVID-19 than people with levels of 40 nanograms per milliliter or greater. So yes, yes, yes. Vitamin D absolutely is implicated in COVID. You know, skincare isn't just about looking good, right? A lot of us want to look good, but it's not just about looking good. It's about nurturing your skin and being well-balanced from the inside out. And, you know, this world is flooded with a bunch of harsh chemicals that are really insulting our skin, our barrier. And you want something truly effective that is safe. Alitura is one of the best in the game. If you never heard of Alitura, you just think of, you might've seen some uh, black bottles with gold writing on it. It's one of the best. And they're always at health events and people are loving them and their quality. Alitura Naturals has crafted a serum that is not only safe, but also incredibly effective. Listen, a lot of you ask me where I get my glow from. This is a huge part of the equation. Their gold serum isn't just another skincare product. It's a testament to the power of natural healing and a commitment to holistic health. It uses organic ingredients like jojoba, olive, rosehip oils, and the gold serum is made organically with plant-derived vitamin A, not synthetic stuff, not that nasty stuff that you're getting in a lot of these over-the-counter products, GHKCU, and marine collagen to revitalize your skin. Alitura Naturals has been using the best ingredients in their products for years. They've been pioneering the path for what truly transformed skin should be. So if you're ready to take control of your skin health and experience the pinnacle of natural beauty, I highly recommend checking out Alituria Naturals. For a limited time, you, the Heal Thyself listener, will enjoy the exclusive discount, just the Heal Thyself discount, only for you. That's 20% off of this gold serum. Go to alitura.com and use the code DRG for 20% off. That's A-L-I-T-U-R-A.com and get that 20% discount. It's amazing stuff. I use it every night before bed and I'm telling you, I'm on fire with my skin in a good way. Check it out. All right, let's face it. With all the toxins we're exposed to nowadays with processed foods, pollutants, and even stress, our poor livers have been working overtime. If you've been feeling sluggish, bloated, or just overall rundown, it may be time to give your hardworking liver some extra love and support. That is where Organifi's Liver Detox comes in. This convenient little capsule contains a powerhouse blend of clinically studied superfoods. This convenient little capsule contains a powerhouse blend of clinically studied superfood ingredients specifically designed 
to remove excess toxins and improve digestion, promote healthier energy levels, and just overall liver health. Now, one of the key ingredients is artichoke leaf extract, which has been clinically proven to help detoxify the liver and digestive tract. Then you got the all-star liver protector. You heard of it, milk thistle, an herb that has been used for centuries to give your liver a big old hug. That's not all. Organifi's liver detox also contains dandelion root, one of my favorite ones of all time, which is loaded with vitamins and minerals to promote healthy liver function and digestion. And finally, Trophalia, an ancient Ayurvedic formula packed with antioxidants that has been traditionally used as a powerful liver tonic, one of my favorite ones too. So whether you're dealing with sluggish digestion, low energy, or just want to give your body's main detox engine a little extra love, Organifi's Liver Detox has your back. Just take one to three capsules at any point during the day to start supporting your liver's natural detox pathways. All of us need to be supporting our liver. If you want to experience the energy boosting, liver supporting effects of this fantastic formula, head to OrganifiShop.com and use the code DRG for 20% off. That is O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I shop.com slash DRG. You have to drink your smoothie soon after blending because the nutrients deplete. This is actually true. Might not be as soon as you want or think, but also there is truth to it. Here's why. Oxidation. The blending process is a fairly violent process. So say you take spinach and you blend it. It's breaking open the cell walls, liberating nutrients that you're utilizing, right? Antioxidants. Um, but they're being exposed to oxygen. And what's happening is this. Oxygen creates oxidation. Oxidation creates depletion in nutrients. So you don't have to drink it right then and there. In fact, you can probably leave it out for up to four hours. There'll be a drop in nutrients, but certainly nothing significant as not taking in a smoothie or a nutrient-dense food. But you can also refrigerate it. Make sure if you do refrigerate it, you drink it within 24 hours. When you refrigerate it, it should be in an airtight mason jar. What you can do is add vitamin C to preserve it, maybe squeeze a little bit of lemon and it'll last longer, um, and put it in the refrigerator and leave it there. So 24 hours in the fridge, or if it's not in the fridge, within four hours, you wanna drink your smoothie. Protein is a must within 30 minutes of a workout, and you must eat carbs before a workout. Okay, so the answer is uh, half, not, not full myth, little bit of a myth. I'll tell you why. So for the protein part, yes and no. And for the carb part, no. So here, I'll go into details. So eating protein within 30 to 60 minutes in the past, of, after a workout in the past was really believed to fall into that anabolic window is when you want to eat your protein. And it's very much so useful for an athlete or a triathlete or bodybuilder. Many of us are not that, right? But what it does is within that time window, it's believed that we can optimize recovery the best and induce protein synthesis the best. So usually it's paired with a carbohydrate. So I read this years ago, I'm talking about like 2004, when I was really into like bodybuilding, which I was never a bodybuilder, but fitness as a whole. And all these forums were talking about the importance of falling within the 30, 60 minute, 30 to 60 minute anabolic window. So what I would do is work out, rush home, quickly make a whey protein smoothie and I'd have a, a bowl of cornflakes to raise my insulin and help facilitate muscle synthesis. And this is what I would do for many years. The fact of the matter is this, you don't need to rush home between 30 to 60 minutes and have your protein. You're going to ha actually have, and we see this in studies, a similar effect two to three hours later. So you want to make sure you have a high quality protein though. So if you're vegan, like me, you can eat soy, tempeh, edamame, lentils, hemp, quinoa, et cetera. 
Uh, you do not need carbs before a workout to address the first, the second part of this. You don't need it before a workout. Uh, but if you find that you work out better with carbohydrates before, then go ahead and do that. Listen to your body for that part. I kind of do a little bit of both. So uh, sometimes I'll have a breakfast. If I wake up super hungry, I'll have a breakfast and work out later. But most of the time I don't wake up very hungry. So I'll do a fasted workout. And if you remember the show with Dr. Amy Shah, she spoke about metabolic flexibility, meaning that we're burning glucose, but we also have the efficient capacity to burn fat. Diet sodas are more healthy. Uh, so this is a half myth and half truth. Here's why. Compared to their sugar-filled counterpart, yes, absolutely. 12 ounces of Coca-Cola is going to give you about 40 grams of sugar. It's about double of what the American Heart Association recommends. Now, diet sodas and drinks are far from perfect. The problem is with their substitute sugars. So no, the substitute sugars, more likely than not, are not going to be the cause of cancer, as some people are saying. But there is some research suggesting that the very marketing goal of diet or non-caloric sweeteners are being negated. And here's why. If you remember one of our recent shows with Dr. Michael Goran, we spoke about sugar. And he said something very important for us to understand. When we look at children and adults consuming non-caloric sweeteners, they actually end up consuming more calories per day. So there's no relationship between lower body weight, less calorie consumption, and non-caloric sweeteners. And as he said, if anything, it's actually the opposite. Why? Because it's likely that these non-caloric sweeteners are causing a reactive hypoglycemia. It's tricking our body, causing a reactive hypoglycemia. And then what's happening is we're, hung we're getting hungry later and we're eating more calories than we would expect. So diet sodas on the front are healthier because they have a lot less of that really poorly refined sugar. But if you're looking to drink diet sodas to lose weight, you might be surprised that it's most likely not going to help with that. Fruit sugars, is this fine or should I avoid them? Well, it's a myth. You shouldn't avoid fruit as a whole. But back to what Dr. Michael Goran said, who's the sugar expert, he spoke about fruits being fine, but not a bunch of different fruits in a giant bowl all at once. Instead, you kind of want to spread them throughout the day and you want to stay from any isolated or concentrated fruit sugars. Those are big no-nos like fruit sweeteners or syrups. Um, it may sound good because you'll, you'll hear the fruit and the sweetener or the sugar, but you'll find that one, it's not in its whole form. So it's isolated and it's missing fiber to negate any sugar spikes, but also it's going to be mostly pure fructose that you're getting in the body. Over 90% of fructose is absorbed in the gut and it's filtered out. And guess what? It's converted into fat or stored in the liver. Big problem, right? Because if it is converted and recirculated as fat, it's increased, increasing blood lipids, right? The very things we get tested for every single year. Or if it stays in the liver, it's contributing to fatty liver disease. So when it comes to fruit, I'm a big fan of it. I, I usually don't cap any fruits out for patients. I say, you know, eat as much fruits and vegetables as you can, but I would recommend not eating all the fruits in one sitting and spreading it out through the day. I shouldn't eat mushrooms if I'm worried about mold or candida. Okay, so... Uh, I wish I could say definitive yes and no. I've done a few, but this is a little bit of a gray area. You want to listen to your body because mushrooms can support your immune system. But I think it's more important that when we think about mold or candida diets, understand that diet plays a huge role. So instead of really focusing on, oh, does this mushroom, should I stay away from this mushroom? Think more about low starchy foods, low sugar, get rid of those inflammatory foods, get off alcohol, which is going to be really pushing mold and candida. 
For mold, reduced consumption of grains, veggies, dried fruits, some nuts, particularly the ones that are vulnerable to mold overgrowth, and have a, help, have a doctor help you evaluate this for a better personalized diet. But when I say when it comes to mushrooms, listen to your body. See if your symptoms get worse when you consume them, but understand that on the other side, they can be really helpful for your immune system. Soaking veggies in baking soda and water will help reduce pesticides. Uh, yes, it will. Uh, you will reduce some, but not all of them, because some are absorbed into the tissue of the food. It depends on the food. So think pineapple, watermelon, avocado, orange are not really going to have much absorption, but something like spinach, berries, and apple, it would be a good idea to wash them too. So regardless, it's going to be a good practice as a whole. Organic foods contain higher levels of heavy metals than non-organic foods. Uh, the answer is no. Few factors play are play, are play here. Soil quality, food being words, where's it sourced from? Is it naturally occurring? Is the food processed and how? Is it tainted before or after, after it's processed? Like in the chocolate industry, we can see that it can add in heavy metals. And the problem is with conventional produce that a lot of these pesticides contain heavy metals, particularly arsenic, chromium, lead, cobalt, nickel. So I can't speak definitively and say I prefer organic for this reason, but it's absolutely something to look for. And as a rule of thumb, conventional foods are going to be higher in heavy metals. Is it true that most diseases are hereditary, for example, cancer? Well, it depends on the disease. Uh, genes play a very particular role uh, in disease formation, for sure, and they are passed down. So you'll be at an elevated risk if uh, the disease is running in the family, especially with a first-degree relative. With that said, if your mom, for example, had breast cancer, your risk may not be as high as you think. Genetics play a role, but it's only going to go up to 10% pretty much. That means 90% of cancer is going to be dependent on food, lifestyle, exercise, movement, stress, community or social isolation, how close are you to nature, what's your sense of purpose, important, important things that you have the power to change. So the uh, answer is is no. Actually, genetics. If you're if someone in your family has a disease, it does not 100% mean it does. It's not true for all diseases, but for sure for cancer, it doesn't mean you're going to get cancer. The USDA organic label is not trustworthy. Okay, well this is another semi-true. Anything from the government will be far from perfect, that's for sure, mostly due to the element of corruption. But we know the FDA is a mess when it comes to food policy. We know the EPA is walking around with a blindfold, walking into walls when it comes to toxins in our environment. And the U.S. Department of Agriculture is no golden child or no different. So what do we know? USDA Organic has a standard definition. What it means for these certified organic foods is that they're grown and processed according to federal guidelines. They're addressing, among many other factors, soil quality, animal raising practices, pest and weed control, and the use of other additives. Organic producers rely on natural substances like physical, mechanical, or biologically based farming methods to the fullest extent possible. Okay, And that's from the USDA.gov. Uh, also, produce can be called organic if it's certified to have grown on soil that has none of these prohibited substances for three years prior to the harvest. Prohibited substances include most of the synthetic fertilizers and pesticides. In an instance when the grower has to use a synthetic substance to achieve a specific purpose, the substance must first be approved according to the criteria that examine its effect on human health. So that's really what organic means. So to wrap that up, for three years before harvest, the soil has to follow these very specific guidelines of not, not using any of these chemicals or additives, and uh, the soil has to reach a certain quality. Also, we have to keep in mind that if anything is used, it has to fall on the guidelines of what's allowed. Essentially, what we're seeing is that it's handled, grown, processed, without pesticides, synthetic chemicals, GMOs, radiation, fertilizers, 
with a petroleum or sewer sludge base, no antibiotics, no growth hormones. That's what organic means. With that said, some of the natural fertilizers and pesticides that they use can also be somewhat toxic. Remember, natural doesn't always mean safe. So it's not saying that it's unsafe, but USDA organic is far from perfect. So this is why I encourage people to grow their own gardens. What you're doing is knowing what the soil is, having a hand in the creation of the food, right? Which builds a deeper connection to the food, but you also know what's on it. You're not spraying. If you're not spraying, you ain't spraying and that's, put, that's going into your plate. So really important if you can, to an indoor garden or outdoor garden. All right, so there's the answer to that. Eating carbs and protein together is toxic, uh, false. Uh, and food combining is real, maybe. So here's how I approach it. Your body has enough enzymes that are designed to break down all different types of foods at all different combinations at all different types of the day. Now, enzymes follow a biological clock. So you know, breakfast and lunch, yeah, okay, they're gonna help break down. But come nighttime, late night, they're gonna be reduced. So. Uh, when, I, when we have it for protein, when we have it for carbs, but most importantly, and more important than any of this, than food combining is chewing your food, listening to your hunger signals, eating in a parasympathetic, relaxed, mindful state, going on a light walk after eating and not snacking between meals. This is going to help your digestion way more than combining different types of foods. Lectins are bad for you. So this is a very blanketed statement, but as a generality, I'll say it's mostly myth. Um, and this is a really good question. Lectins are so hotly contested now and they're demonized. Right? It's a protein that binds to sugar basically in the body. That's what it is. And it's everywhere. It's in all foods. You have lectin in your body right now, some more than others, and it's everywhere. It's in all foods, right? All of us have lectin in our body. Some foods have more than others. But people who are on this pro-lectin elimination are saying some crazy things, right? Avoid all grains, avoid all beans, no legumes, and remove classes of fruits and veggies. But yeah, you can have dairy. And, and it's interesting to me because now they're, they're referring to them as anti-nutrients. For example, Stephen Gundry has made a career of cherry picking research and demonizing these lectin proteins to, of course, present a problem and then offer the solution in the form of his supplements, if you've seen any of his ads. And I say, this, I say this about him because he's the leading voice in lectin demonization. That's what he's building his career on. And by virtue of that, he's encouraging people to take out extremely nutritious classes of foods right out their diet. And it's, and it's crazy to me because all of this work is cherry-picked when put against the research that's out there. Same thing with the carnivore diet. They jump right on the bandwagon and convince us that lectins are killing us. And it's really confusing information for the average health listener. Here's the thing. There's no data on a low lectin diet. Here's what carnivores and the heralded Stephen Gundry are not telling you. The large, and I mean large body of research says very much so differently. Let's put this in perspective. High level, well-designed studies over many years clearly state the benefits of whole grains and their effect on heart disease, the number one killer, but what else? Also total cancer and the lower likelihood of dying. Randomized control trials show that legume-packed diets, which are high in lectins versus legume-free diets, with the same exact match number of calories, what we see in the groups that consumed legumes dropped their inflammatory markers by 40% and blood pressure, and so too did their cholesterol and, and, and the legume group, the ones who had all those lectins, lost weight even on the same number of calories. So with that said, if you have gut issues and you're not tolerating the foods that I mentioned like grains or beans or legumes or certain fruits or vegetables that are high in lectins, it might be your gut, not the lectins. So start healing the gut, working on the gut, 
But the thing is, know this. Lectin demonization is ignoring the body of evidence, period. It's a myth. Red wine is good for you. Well, I'm not here to say good or bad, but in this question and the way it's being posed, it's a myth. Here's why. They market red wine being so good for you because of the resveratrol content. But the fact of the matter is, is that the resveratrol in wine is about 0.2 to 2 milligrams per glass. For one capsule of resveratrol at therapeutic level, it's about 20 to 40 milligrams. So if your wine is on the high end, we'll say two milligrams per glass of the resveratrol range, you can need about 10 glasses of wine for it to start hitting the therapeutic level. Some of you might drink 10 glasses of wine. On the other hand, know that alcohol is a carcinogen. It causes cancer. We know this. Seven different types it's associated with. But if you do choose to drink, I would actually choose wine. Biodynamic or organic is probably the quote-unquote healthiest, especially when it comes to what alcohol does and how it affects the gut bacteria. We see that wine affects the gut bacteria the least. Fruit should be eaten alone or not at all. Okay, that goes back to what I was saying before. Listen to your body. On paper, it may be true. Um, as mentioned, the past questions about digestive enzymes, just pay attention that yes, digestive enzymes will help break down whatever it is. Um, but for me, it is a truth. I know that when I eat fruits with other foods, my stomach feels a little bit more irritated or angry with me than if I eat it alone. Okay, so I know that I'm not gonna eat a box of blueberries and then a peanut butter sandwich because I know that's just the way my body works. But some people can tolerate it. But just know your system is made to do that, but people are different. So uh, half myth. Walking barefoot in the cold will get you sick. That's a myth. It's an old wives' tale that I've heard all my life, especially when I was young. But you hear me talk about grounding. If anything, the cold exposure will actually give the immune system a reflexive response that'll be beneficial. And it's through the way the nervous system and the immune system talk to each other. So the cold therapy or cold exposure is going to help. Apple cider vinegar with hypochlorohydria, that's low stomach acid. That is a myth in scientific studies because there's none really or that I've seen. But it's truth in anecdotal or clinically what I've seen. Because apple cider vinegar has a low pH, using about a teaspoon before eating will help activate stomach acid, and so too will digestive bitters. Chemicals absorb into the skin in 20 seconds. That's a myth. Not all chemicals will fall to this. Maybe some, but not all chemicals. Um, heat, skin moisture, molecular weight, and their constitution, if it's coupled with other drivers, that's those variables are more important on the way that it is absorbed. There's no need to detox, and that's why we have a liver. Yeah, kind of true. Uh, we have a liver, but we also have kidneys, lung, colon, skin. And we have to pay attention that, yes, we don't need to buy a $300 detox kit to initiate detox because we do have these organs. But what our jobs are this. We need to support them with quality foods and removing all that toxic food, water, air, all of the things that we're putting on our skin that are affecting those organs. If we can support them, that's the way we detox. We help natural detoxification versus buying a box that says, it's going to help us detox. And also, as a side note, maybe fasting can be beneficial for you. Uh, talk to your doctor, but fasting is actually a really great healing modality to have your body focus on clearing and cleaning um, instead of digestion. Vegetables will not detox you, only fruit. That's a myth. Vegetables will absolutely help in the detoxification process. Look no further than cruciferous vegetables and their sulfur-containing rich compounds, which help the liver detoxify. Melatonin at night will reduce melatonin production overall. Yes, 
But know that um, as you supplement melatonin, yes, the synthesis of melatonin naturally can reduce, but it'll bounce back fairly quick, but talk to your doctor. Silver fillings are bad. Uh, not a myth, it's true actually. Uh, they are strong and they last and they're good over time. And 150 years of mounting evidence has shown that they may be making us sick and people are ignoring it. So 50% mercury is 50% silver and tin and copper. That's what it's made of. Mercury is a proven toxic chemical. We know that it affects the brain, the kidneys, our immune system, our gut bacteria. It's linked to Alzheimer's, it's linked to Parkinson's. It's estimated that 75% of adults have amalgam or silver fillings, but that's going down. A few things really important to understand. There was a study that came out of 14,700 of these subjects, and they were divided into three groups based on the amalgam fillings in their teeth. What did we find? That all of the groups, regardless of levels of amalgams, were found to have inorganic and methyl mercury in the blood, toxic. We also see that folks with amalgams have six to eight times higher concentration of mercury in the blood, urine, hair, nails, versus those who don't have any amalgams. What's really disheartening is in animals, Initially, first we saw the maternal toxicity, meaning that it was leading to fetal development issues in a dose-dependent matter, meaning the more amalgams or more silver fillings, the more that the fetus was affected. We saw the same thing in humans. Fetal exposure to mercury is two times that of the maternal blood, meaning, and I heard a quote, the best way to detox mercury out of your system is to get pregnant. And it's very disheartening, but it's true. We find that the fetus is exposed to almost double the amount of mercury than we find in mom's blood. Amalgams are banned in various countries around the world. We should know that, and they should be banned here. For proper removal, you can't just go to your dentist who's not trained in removing them. Go to a biological dentist or someone who's trained in removing them and get the support of removing them safely and over time and being put on a protocol to help your body. Kombucha, is it a health enhancer or is it just too high in sugar? I, well, myth or no myth, it's, I, I think that there's better probiotic-rich foods like kefir, vegan kefir, tempeh, miso, sauerkraut, kimchi. The problem with kombucha is uh, a lot of them or most of them are really high in sugar. It's been a long time since I promoted a coffee because there's not that many good coffee brands. We got one of the best ones now on Heal Thyself. Are you ready to elevate your coffee game? And experience to prove that it's not only delicious, but it's also health focused. Let me introduce you to Purity Coffee. You heard me review them in one of my first ever coffee reviews as one of the best, and then my second ever one as one of the best. And it's one of the best still. It's an ultimate choice for coffee lovers who, who prioritize taste as well as well being. I'm gonna tell you what makes Purity Coffee stand out from the crowd. Every step in their process is rooted in health focused principles backed by solid scientific research based rigorous testing. They use the finest specialty-grade organic Arabica beans and then move on to small batch roasting, ensuring that each cup meets the highest standards of quality. But what really sets Purity Coffee apart from all the other coffee brands is their dedication, is my favorite, is their dedication to purity and safety. Their beans undergo third-party testing to ensure they're free of pesticides, toxins, and harmful mycotoxins, those pesky substances that can wreak havoc on your health, causing issues like liver and kidney damage, digestive problems, brain fog, and fatigue. Purity Coffee also has some of the highest antioxidant capacity. And this is important because we have to understand coffee is actually really good for us when we're getting quality coffee. And the reason it's good for us and ensures so many benefits, especially heart health, is because of its antioxidant capacity. Purity has one of the highest antioxidants that you're going to find in coffee, giving you a powerful dose of healthy boosting compounds with every sip. 
Purity Coffee is grown on regenerative organic farms that prioritize soil health, animal welfare, and community well-being. They have certifications by USDA Organic, Rainforest Alliance, and Smithsonian Bird Friendly. You can also trust Purity Coffee is not only good for you, but also good for the planet. They have a range of roasts from their light medium roast with sweet fruity notes and their dark roast with rich bold taste. So to try out one of my favorite coffees in existence and one that I recommend to everyone still to this day, I've been doing it for years, is Purity Coffee. Go to puritycoffee.com and use the code DRG for 30% off of your first purchase. That is P-U-R-I-T-Y-C-O-F-F-E-E.com and use the code DRG for 30% off of your order. You know, living a long life is great. It is. We all want to live longer. But what's even better is living those years in good health, right? Free of the chronic diseases and the ailments. Unfortunately for many, the gap between lifespan and health span is way too wide. And we spent our last years ill, not enjoying our life to the fullest. And that's why I'm always into research-based products, quality supplements that are coming out to you, the highest, the best of the best, some of the best rigorously tested supplements. And one of my favorite companies across the board is Momentus. And they have two that I use every single day, creatine and collagen. These are the two powerhouses at work. I've been open that I've been working out more four times a week. I'm lifting heavy weights. And these are staples. And and not just me. I think everyone should be out working out, building muscle. Staples to muscle repair and muscle growth. But what sets Momentus apart from the rest is its clinically researched formulas. For the collagen, it delivers 15 grams of collagen, supporting your body in various ways. And it's not just one type of collagen. It's all the types of collagen, right? A lot of companies just have one type of collagen. You want all the types of your body's absorbing and utilizing this collagen the way you desire the body to use it. But boy, oh boy, the gold standard for working out, if you're not on this, you don't even have to be working out. You can use it for your brain. It's creatine. Momentous creatine is fantastic. There's no fillers, no additive, pure, effective ingredients you can trust. Trust is everything when it comes to supplements. Momentous third-party test. There's no surprises. What you see on the package is what you get. So if you're like me, you want to feel your body with the best of the best, go to livemomentous.com and use the code DRG for 15% off of creatine and collagen and all their top-notch products. That is L-I-V-E-M-O-M-E-N-T-O-U-S.com with the code DRG for your discount. Sunscreen, is it good or bad? Um, So myth or no myth, here's the thing about sunscreen. Sunscreen can be pretty toxic in chemicals. Sunscreen is absorbed into the body. um, And we know that it can disrupt the immune system. It can disrupt the hormone system in our body. So uh, I've done a show on sunscreens to get, go back and listen to that. But on the surface, here's the thing about sunscreens. You need less, the more antioxidants you have in your body. You really know if you're going to a beach day and you're going to be in the sun for a long time, have a high antioxidant rich breakfast or lunch to make sure that in your body, you're being able to protect yourself from the sun. You have those inherent antioxidants and they're all different types of antioxidants that we can have, right? From selenium to vitamin A to the different anthocyanidins in food, uh, the polyphenols we find in food, zeaxanthin, uh, lycopene, all different colors, fruits of the rainbow is what I talk, fruits, vegetables, colors of the rainbow are gonna give us those antioxidants to protect ourselves, but also understand if you need to protect your skin or you're predisposed to skin cancer, then make sure you're using some sunblock, especially when the sun is going to be the hottest on you and you're going to be there for a long time. Limit rice consumption due to arsenic is is true. It's uh, it's true. It's um, not a myth. You should actually limit rice consumption. We know that uh, rice is one of the crops that really sucks up arsenic from the ground. And uh, arsenic has been shown to be detrimental to our health. And if you're eating a ton, a ton of rice... 
especially with kids, we should always watch out of giving our kids rice milk. Kids should not be drinking rice milk. Um, make sure, you're, and, I, and I did a whole show on arsenic and rice. So go back and listen to that. We also find arsenic in chicken. So um, the overconsumption of this could be a problem, especially in children. Chocolate is good for you is um, not a myth. It's, it can be good for you. It depends on the type of chocolate. Make sure that you're getting a high quality, organic, um, fair trade for just you know, peace of mind. But also, the chocolate is tends to be rich in magnesium, which is something that we are so, so deficient in. Very important. But make sure you're getting a quality one. And also, watch out for the sugar. It doesn't mean, oh, look, it's great in magnesium. Let me eat the whole bar. Um, understand that there's other sources of magnesium too. But chocolate can be healthy if we get a quality one with low heavy metals, low sugar, and um, just from a quality company. Water bottles are just tap water is a myth. Um, it's usually, it, I can't speak for every company, but it should be filtered water um, that's put into bot water bottles. But you know how I feel about plastic water bottles. I did a whole show on this, the water episode number two. We spoke about PFAS in plastic water bottles and BPA. Microwaves kill nutrients. Um, all types of heating kills nutrients. S what we do find is that because microwaves are a short amount of time of heat, that it can actually protect nutrients. We know in studies that mushrooms, when you cook mushrooms, are best cooked in microwaves, which is why I don't completely write them off. Um, and also from a radiation standpoint, it shouldn't, it won't affect you. Uh, it's, it's not possible, but um, it may affect your, uh, your nutrients. So, it, so what I'm trying to say is if we're utilizing a microwave to cook all our food, we may want to take a different approach, particularly with vegetables. We may want to steam them instead on low heat over time. Um, but all foods are susceptible to nutrient depletion. So that's my take on microwaves. And that's actually my whole Mythbusters show. I really hope that you learned something. I really hope I was able to bust some myths that maybe your grandma told you. I'm sorry, grandma, or mom told you. I'm sorry, mom or dad. Hopefully you're more empowered and less pressured and less stressed. And now we have some clarity. All right. Let's get our special guest on the show, Dr. Natasha Beck. It's going to be a really good one. Talk about how to empower your kids, change their lives, and get them eating good food. All right, everyone, today's special guest, Dr. Natasha Beck. She has a doctorate in pediatric neuropsychology and a master's in child and family health. So today we're going to be talking about how to get your kids off of eating that crappy food that's making them sick and optimizing their health overall, which in turn optimizes the whole family health. So we're going to get into the details of that and learn about her experiences and just get the knowledge bombs and gems that we need to to better our lives. Thank you for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, it's a pleasure. So for those uh, who are not watching on video, you have about 16 ounces, or now eight ounces of matcha. <laughs> yes. And you have about 16 ounces of nettle tea. Yes. <laughs> so is this a regular go-to for you? Pretty much. Okay. Or I'll do oat straw, mm. um, mix it up. Nice. Yeah. It, and is there a reason that you do the nettle tea? Or you just like the flavor? No, it's actually the nettles is a strong flavor. Uh -huh. um, I think it just helps keep me hydrated, gets mm -hmm. me some extra nutrients, mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. And uh, I give it to the kids as well. It helps with a lot of their seasonal allergies. Yeah. So I was gonna I was gonna say that I find that nettles is really helpful for mm -hmm. allergies. And yeah. how many? There's so many kids who are like suffering with like. Oh, so many. I mean, allergies are like increased yeah. and exponentially. Now's the time. Yeah. Yeah. So can you tell can you tell us a little bit about like how you got into the work that you're doing because. Sure. 
the stuff that you do is, first of all, a whole mouthful to say. Because, <laughs> <Yes. laughs> you, you know, you got some specialties that I haven't heard of. Yeah. But I want to know what you do and how you got into it. Sure. Um, so it all kind of started, um, I myself was diagnosed with ADHD and dyslexia, uh, now known as reading disorder. And so I kind of wanted to throw myself in there and, you know, get degrees in this kind of specialty where I'm testing people, testing kids specifically, and helping find accommodations for them, find opportunities, give them opportunities to get tested because it is so difficult uh, to get evaluated and to find those accommodations to help, you know, children and those resources. So I started my path getting my degrees. I'm a definitely a diehard Trojan, no mm-hmm. offense to anybody else. <laughs> um, but um, I've worked in clinics all throughout Southern California, even UCLA. and Even UCLA. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yes. Um, and so when I started this platform, it was more just providing, you know, a free, unbiased you know, educational resource for parents and caregivers because there's just so much information out there. I mean, it used to be, you know, it, it's a, they say it takes a village, right, mm-hmm. to raise kids. It does. And we used to raise kids with a village. Right. You know, you right. used to have, you know, your godparents, your cousins, your aunts and uncles, you know, your grandparents, everybody was around. And now we just don't have that. And you're not supposed to be expected to raise kids by yourself or even if you're lucky enough and you have a partner who's mm-hmm. great to, be alongside of you. And so I think that was where, like, you know, where I wanted to begin. Mm-hmm. And it kind of took off from there. Yeah. And so how did you jump into the specialties that you did? What what was it that you found that the world needed? Yeah. Great question. So I think I really wanted to, I mean, I found that it was so difficult for me as a child being diagnosed so late with dyslexia. And, you know, luckily I was fortunate enough to have opportunities to kind of help along my, you know, academic journey. Um, But so many don't. And so I wanted to, you know, work in a bunch of different locations Mm -hmm. where people didn't have access to that. Um, And so getting evaluated is really expensive, you know, and especially by someone who's properly trained Mm -hmm. and getting like a full comprehensive battery where the person takes the time not just to give you tests in a, you know, formal office setting, but to visit the school, visit the home and really get a whole look at the child, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um, including their diet, including their lifestyle. Yeah. So then that started creeping in. And then you, did you say at one point, holy crap, like kids are eating like crap out here. And I started to notice that when I was working at County Hospital in USC. um, And I noticed that a lot of the kids were coming in. They were coming in like with tons of diagnoses with ADHD, with anxiety disorder, with, you know, know, Tourette's. And in reality, like they're coming in and they are quite overweight, even obese sometimes. They have sleep apnea and that often gets misdiagnosed, you know, for ADHD. And if you're, you know, if you look at a child's diet and you address the obesity, you address the lifestyle changes, you can actually reduce a lot of their symptoms and even, in fact, not have those symptoms of Mm. inattention, hyperactivity, and whatnot. So did you see improvements? Were any of these kids starting to change their diet? Where Where did you start seeing, okay, yeah, there is actually a lot of substance into like we can change a kid's diet and have some marked effects on their overall health. I mean, I've definitely seen it in parents who had buy-in, who are willing to to do that. It's, I think, you know, 15 years ago, it was definitely harder 
back then mm -hmm. because there just wasn't as much awareness. And now, I mean, even the American Academy of Pediatrics is coming out saying like, hey, reduce the amount of sugar that your kids are taking and like don't give fruit juice. Like if you're going to give sports drinks or fruit juices twice a week max because just one drink gives you way above your, yeah. your daily limit. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I just think the awareness isn't there. So I did find that like when parents put in the, you know, the time, the effort, which is, it does take a lot of effort, which is why you want your village, you know, to help because it is so much on parents that the kids got better. They improved. Like, mm -hmm. you know, they were able to focus, you know, they weren't always necessarily needing to be on medication and, you know, in conjunction with therapy. Mm -hmm. um, what, what, what is bringing the awareness, do you think, over the past 15 years? I definitely think social media helps a lot. I mean, there's definitely cons of social media, especially with young children, you know, with self-esteem, and that yeah. could be a whole nother, you know, topic. Um, but I think that helps because people are getting their news from there. And, you know, just people like you mm -hmm. spreading awareness, you know, about that and, and seeing that they're all, there are alternatives out there, you know, talking about, like, the impact of artificial dyes on, you know, children, even though that's been around since the 70s, you know, about the impact of artificial dyes on children's behavior. Mm -hmm. A few years ago, the FDA definitely uh, mandated that we require adding labels on our, um, you know, packages of food about mm -hmm. the amount of sugar on there. So mm -hmm. it, it allowed parents and caregivers to start to recognize that when they were looking at their, their food packages yeah. and seeing how much sugar is actually there and seeing the impact on their child. Yeah, major impacts. And we had uh, Dr. Michael Goran come. He wrote Sugar Proof. Mm. And he was here last week and we sat. We spoke about, first of all, how much sugar kids are consuming, yeah. how it's affecting different parts of their body. And he was talking about, like you mentioned before, obesity and how that's leading to juvenile diabetes. Yeah, type 2 diabetes. It's, it's completely on the rise. I yeah. mean, 17% of a child's diet is made up by sugar. And half of that is, is refined sugar. Yeah, refined sugar. Not even, yeah. not, you're not telling me the kid's eating like a ton peaches of fruit and or, grapes, yeah. you know, like, which which is packaged completely different. Yeah. So for me, it's it's interesting because, you know, we're seeing fatty liver mm. in kids, uh, adults or, or teenagers and young adults. And we're going, what the heck? And this isn't because of alcohol drinking. It's because right. of all of that condensed fruit sugar or fructose, high fructose corn syrup that yes. they're having in these processed foods. It's not it's even a real sugar. And it's not even a real sugar, so it's blowing me away. So it's interesting that you've, you're seeing the, the spots in the world where it's really, really prevalent yeah. in inner cities, right? Yeah. And and it's, for me, so confusing and backward. And I, I was thinking about it before you came on is the policy yeah. of how the most unhealthy foods are the cheapest ones yeah. and the people with the lowest socioeconomic um, grasp for, you know, just resources, right. they're, they're, they're buying this. They have no other choice. But what I want, what I wonder is, are, since the education is coming, do you find that like, even budget wise and resource wise, it's still, do they have the, the perspective? I can't eat healthy. I don't have money. There's, that's a huge, huge barrier. And as far as barriers go, yes, you know, being in a place where you don't have access or having budget, you know, barriers, mm -hmm. there are ways to do it. Like, you know, going to the farmer's market, shopping seasonally, mm -hmm. buying frozen fruit and vegetables. You know, if you eliminate dairy and even take out some meat, those are expensive products, mm -hmm. you know. And if you actually eat a more plant-based diet, that's actually, you know, a lot cheaper for you. I mean, just buying dried beans and cooking it on your own 
is a lot cheaper. So I think there's just ways to do it. It's just that the knowledge isn't always there mm-hmm. and the time is also um, a problem. And you brought up a good point. We don't think about it because regardless, we are uh, ingrained with this belief system that we need meat as most of the dish. Yeah. And it just, it turns out that meat is one of the most expensive yeah. tagged items that you're going to get when you go su- when you go food shopping. Yeah. And you also mentioned the farmer's market, right? So mm-hmm. for me, I'll go to the farmer's market versus very convenient, expensive LA Air One right next to me. Right. And I'll buy the same things, but I'll spend double at Air One. Oh, 100%. Right? But it's the convenience. It's the convenience. So, but one thing, like you like you said, if you're living in, and you can find a farmer's market almost anywhere. Oh, 100%. They're always having them one day of the week, two days a week, three days a week. Mm-hmm. And going and buying these fruits and vegetables, yeah. which may not have the USDA organic label, no. but maybe they can't pay for that, the, yeah. the farmers. Maybe it's too expensive, but, but but they're still treating. They're still having, they're they're raising their farm and their products organically. Organically. It's just, it's so expensive to actually have that certification. Exactly. So just talk to your farmers. And you know. you're supporting smaller farms. Yeah. And, and smaller businesses. And being more sustainable. And being more sustainable. And and I think about it, like, even at that, what you I remember the access to healthy food when I was young because I lived in the inner city. Yeah. Is we, even at the bodegas, they'd have like dried goya beans. Yeah. Right? And you can still buy that. You can still oh, buy yeah. things that are nutri- nutritionally dense. Yeah. And you can soak them and give them to your kids. Now, this is the big question mm-hmm. How the heck do we get our kids from eating sugar rich foods, processed foods, hyper palatable, lots of fat, and to start eating more vegetables? This, the healthy stuff that you put on your Instagram yes. and, t- and teach all of us how to do. So first things first, modeling is so important. If you're not consuming those things, don't expect your child to do it. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're not being a kind person, don't expect your child to do it. So that's number one. Uh, number two is going to the farmer's market, like exposing your child to let them know, like, this is where food comes from. Letting them pick out, all right, you get to pick one thing that you can buy, that you want to choose, that you want to take home and eat. Yeah. And so it's just you know, motivating them. And so they get excited about it. And so that's where their intrinsic motivation comes from. They're like, oh, I get to do it. Uh-huh. I'm excited. I chose this one I chose out of it. all of them. Yeah. And, oh, this one's mine. You know, even allowing them, you know, giving them the money to go pay for it uh, just gets them more excited about it. Mm-hmm. Cooking with them, that's huge. It's not just about getting them to eat the food, but it you're teaching them so many skills and, you know, and even especially the, the the silver lining of the pandemic for some people is that the, you are cooking more at home. Mm-hmm. And so you, your children were learning so much. It's not the traditional academic setting what you're learning, mm-hmm. but you're learning it in a different way that's actually more relatable to them. And they actually have more fun doing it. You're learning math. You're learning problem solving. Mm-hmm. You know, you're thinking about, you're doing sequencing. There's so many things going on with cooking. Um, and I think also letting go of having to control everything when you're cooking. Mm-hmm. You know, motivating your child to get involved in health is really important. Like giving your two-year-old a job to do, letting them know, okay, they're going to crack the egg. They're going to little mess it up probably. Uh-huh, uh-huh. That's all right. Okay. You know, work with them. And they're going to eventually want to be more helpful in the kitchen and get more excited about eating the foods that they're cooking. I put the spinach in the blender. Right. You know, I pressed the button. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So those are also helpful. Um, things to do is you are, my big thing is don't restrict them, educate them. This is in terms of sugar. That's a constant, constant question that I get, um, from people saying, well, how do I control the sugar? You know, 
I, I want to get more vegetables, but like, you know, my kids want to eat sugar as a treat. I want you to eliminate that notion that like, there's like this special dessert or treat. Fruit and even like simple like baked cookies, serve them with the meal. But remember portion. Mm. You're not going to let them eat like 20 cookies. There's two cookies or one cookie even. This is with your meal. It doesn't make it so mysterious, but it's sitting there. They can eat it first, but they're still going to be hungry. Mm -hmm. You're going to let them eat it with their meal so it's not as like, oh, you're taking the excitement kind of away from it that you're letting them know that all these food groups are important. Mm -hmm. And something I always say, if you're going to eat foods that don't help you grow, eat the good stuff. Now let's chat about something crucial. That is omega-3s. You know I'm all about keeping clean and pure when it comes to products, as well as food on my plate. But when it comes to supplements, right, we have to make sure we have the best of the best, but especially when it comes to omega-3s. And, and I really mean it. Omega-3s are some of the most adulterated supplements that exist out there. And a lot of companies aren't doing it right. We need omega-3s for our heart, for our brain, for our eye health. You might not be getting enough nutritionally. When it comes to Peori, it's a quality brand, not only just with Omegas across their whole line. They're extremely transparent. Every batch undergoes rigorous testing against over 200 contaminants, and you could check the results for yourself. And that's one of my favorite things. You can scan the QR code and look at the batch that is right in front of you that is on your shelf or on your counter, and you can see the results for this quality testing. Pure's O3 Ultra Pure Fish Oil delivers a potent dose of EPA and DHA without any unnecessary extras. Now, Pure is offering 20% off of their O3 Ultra Pure Fish Oil, the one that I take every single morning, and all their fantastic products to you, the Heal Thyself listener. That's 20% off even the already discounted subscription price. I want you to go to Pure.com. Use my promo code DRG. That's P-U-O-R-I.com slash DRG to take care of your health with some of the best omegas out there by Pure. These days... These days, it seems like everyone is carrying on a beverage, whether it's soda or flavored water, or kombucha or coffee or tea, but not all beverages are created equal when it comes to quality and health benefits. That is why I become obsessed with Peaks Sun Goddess Matcha. I've been using this for, it's one of the first supplements I really invested in. It's four years ago, probably. And it's not just any old matcha powder. We're talking organic ceremonial grade matcha tea that has been meticulously screened for pesticides, heavy metals, mold, and even radioactive isotopes. Peak takes no shortcuts. Their matcha is cultivated by ninth degree tea masters in Kagoshima, Japan, using century old traditions. Their plants are shaded for 35% longer than usual to maximize the production of vital compounds like L-theanine for calm, steady energy and chlorophyll for its detoxifying anti-aging properties. I start every morning with a frothy cup of sun goddess matcha, not just for energizing my body, you know, we all want to get that caffeine kick, yeah, okay, but for the amazing gut health, metabolism boosting, and antioxidant benefits. The phytonutrients nurture my digestive system, the EGCG compounds help my body burn calories efficiently, and the chlorophyll gives my skin the awesome reading. You see I'm glowing right now, right? That's because of the matcha. There's perfectly proportioned packets that are easy to mix with water whenever I need to pick me up, so easy to make a consistent self-care ritual. Peak is offering you, the Heal Thyself listener, 15% off of their sun goddess matcha, plus a free beaker and a rechargeable frother when you go to peaklife.com slash DRG. They're so confident that you're going to love it. There's even a 30-day money-back guarantee. No code at checkout. Just go to P-I-Q-U-E-L-I-F-E.com slash DRG. You're going to get 15% off plus all those freebies. Like, mm. And so I teach my kids about artificial ties. I teach my kids that, hey, would you rather have like this big croissant or a handful of these, you know, Skittles. Mm -hmm. And I, they, we talk about it. Well, what's in them? What's in this one? How do you make it? You know, 
And then they make that choice because eventually you're not going to be there with them to make those choices. So you have to educate them, you know, and do I restrict my children? No, I don't restrict my children. Like when we have special occasions, you know, we enjoy sugar, Mm -hmm. you know, and we have it and that's all right. You know, but we talk about, hey, let's pick two items to choose because if we eat too much, remember, it can hurt our stomach. Right. And we fill up on the way to an event, you know, Mm -hmm. on the way to a birthday party, Mm -hmm. on the way to Easter, an Easter celebration. Right. You know, get a healthy smoothie in before, a healthy snack plate in before, they're nice and full. That way when they go to the Mm -hmm. event, you know, let them, let them have their choice of a couple items that they get to pick. Mm-hmm. and learn to let go. Yeah. You know, your yeah. body can naturally detox certain things. For sure, for sure. So what I'm getting out of it is, is, is one, having your kids be hands-on so they can learn. Yeah. And they can feel empowered that I have a hand in the product that we're making. I was part of the process. Yes. And then also re- letting go a little bit of restriction, black or white, and going that, hey, try it. See how you feel, right? Because the, your kid might go, oh, man, you know, every time I do eat the Skittles, my stomach hurts a little bit. Right. You right? want them Getting to them in touch feel with their body. exactly. Right, because then they, they make the informed decision. Because it's more likely that if they eat maybe, you know, like a, a plate of broccoli with some olive oil or something, right. they'll probably feel better right. than they will if they eat a giant cookie. Exactly. So getting them in touch with their body. I love that. That's yeah. see, that's a type of take homes we love at Heal Thyself. Yes. <laughs> we want we want we want moms and dads and and yeah. and whoever grandparents whoever it is listening, to go. You know what? Yeah, it, it, I put so much pressure on going like, no, you can't have these foods. You can only or you eat can these only uh, five four bites of this. Then you can for, have yeah. that. It's just Eliminate so much pressure. Eliminate that. Mm-hmm. You as the parent, caregiver, grandparent, you decide what and when your child eats. They mm-hmm. decide if and how much. Mm. remove that pressure like Ellen Sattler created that whole saying and there's a lot of research behind it and there's just so much pressure even on the parent on the kids Mm. if you just remove that off the table it becomes a lot easier unless obviously there's a medical condition you know right then more freedom yeah and you know you got to think about also other things you can do like if you don't have space for a garden Growing something in a plant, allowing a child to see like, wow, if I put a seed here, it can grow into a carrot and then I can pull it out and I can eat it straight from the, you know, the mm-hmm. ground. That's exciting. So you teach your children where food comes from, yeah. you know, changing up the location. So if you notice your kid's not as interested in trying new foods, you know, ch- having a picnic on the floor if you don't mm-hmm. have out space, outside space or taking them outside, you know, like, uh, trunk picnics, like you mm-hmm. open up the back of your car mm-hmm. and you have a trunk. Changing the location can sign up, can sometimes help reduce the pressure, reduce the, oh, that's new. I'm not trying that, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. And the other thing I like to tell parents, remove the word picky eater mm-hmm. from your vocabulary. There is no such thing as a picky eater. There's kids who are cautious and kids who are adventurous and then everything in between, you know. And when you talk about picky eating, even if your child's not right next to you, they hear it. They listen to everything. Kids are the most natural observers ever, Yeah. you know, and they'll start to internalize that. Oh, my kid won't eat that. And, and they'll go, okay, it's true. Yeah. Even though maybe that one time they didn't want to eat it. Right. It's not a definitive. Correct. And kids are, you're right, kids are observing. Yes. And they know and they, they hear. They know everything. And I, I, I sometimes even don't even get enough credit how <laughs> smart and observant they are. Yeah. Kids are on it. They are on it. They're more capable than you think they are. Mm-hmm. You know, I, just... Yeah, I love that. I love what you said about growing because um, we had Doug Evans. He's the sprout guru out here, and he was talking about grow yeah. some sprouts. Have yeah. you and your kids 
have a hand, it, it, they grow so fast. Yeah. In a week, you'll have sprouts. The kids will be excited about I think, sprouts. Yeah, there's the hamama. I think that's mm -hmm, what it's called. Mm -hmm. I did that with my kids. It was fascinating. They loved, they picked the sprouts, yeah. the broccoli sprouts, put them on everything. And they yeah. just ate them straight. So like, I grew it. Yeah, exactly. So I, the, the big key is having kids have a hand in their food. Yeah. Some way, somehow. Seeing it grow or having a part in, in making it, making the plate, even at the very least. Let's say there's no time. You can have your kid put together the plate. Yeah. Right here, pour some pour some quinoa or something. Yeah. Pour some beans, pour some Let vegetables. them take control exactly. of it. Portion control. Let them decide, oh, let's start with a small amount. Mm -hmm. And you can add more. And then they take ownership of actually serving themselves. Mm -hmm. So family style is a great thing to introduce. And then also letting them set the table. Mm. You know, you're not going to do that at every meal, but maybe on dinner time or if it's busy during the week, do it on the weekends. You know, setting the table, having some ambiance, yeah. it really helps get the child not only excited about the food, but it's an easier transition to get them to the table. Mm -hmm. You know, simply lighting a candle, you know, having a nice placemat, a cloth napkin, mm -hmm. it does really make it more inviting. Well, you see, the only food I had a hand in making was cakes with my mom, and I would <laughs> eat the icing. Nice. And, the you know, when you pour it and then whatever's left in the bowl, yes, I would eat that too. That up. But, but I, I did, um, for better or worse, was in charge of a lot of the set the dining room for, for eating. Yeah. So I would put the napkins, I'd put the placemats, I'd put mm -hmm. the, so um, I'd have a hand in it as a kid. And I never really appreciated it until this conversation. Oh, well, it's well, really, like, tell yeah. your mom. Yeah, I will, I will, I will. So uh, can, I, can I ask you, what are some other things that you get uh, messages about? What are, what are, what are uh, people out there, parents out there, really looking for for some support? I think the struggle is outside influences. So you're trying to be so careful about what you give your child and then you get to school and they get to be school-aged. Oh, yeah. And then, oh, well, that kid has that in his lunchbox. How come I can't have that in mine? Right. You know, I think it's really difficult and there's not an easy solution to that because, you know, there's not policies involved. You know, some public schools don't allow you to bring candy, you know, and they don't allow that to, for celebrations, which is actually more beneficial because it's so much harder on the teacher when your kids are all, <laughs> you know loaded up, up on, yeah, hyped up, up and it's sugar. multiple times, you know, it's like a couple times a week and, you know, it really messes them up, um, you know, in terms of being able to teach them. Um, but that's hard. And so I think that's why I talk about going back to educate and don't restrict and talking about making choices with your kids. So like mm. when you're packing your kids' lunch, involve them. You know, give your mm. kids more credit. Even if you're rushing in the morning, do it the night before. Let's talk about what we should put. Your friend said like they had Oreo cookies you know, in their, in their lunch. Let's talk about what's in them and let's see if we can find uh, a healthier option. Mm -hmm. And let's mm -hmm. put something in that you like. Mm -hmm. You know, if you don't, your kid has like Lay's potato chips or maybe I shouldn't be saying all the brands. Yeah, yeah, no, that's okay. Oh. I, I, this show is built on calling out brands. So. Okay, well, that's good. Go all right, I'm okay calling out brands. Uh, don't put out Lay's, you know, potato mm -hmm. chips, but, you know, find the Siete foods chips right, that are, you know, right, got yeah. better quality ingredients and like ingredients you actually understand and know what they are. Mm -hmm. So do that with your child, make it a practice, you know, take them to the store, pick things out or now go online, you know, mm -hmm. read through the ingredients with them, let them be involved in the process. So that way you're not sending them to school thinking like, oh, I don't like my lunch. Mm -hmm. You know, I see everybody else having better things than I do, mm -hmm. you know, involve them. Yeah. Or if, if you're making chips with them, make kale chips or at yeah. home. you could make sweet potato chips at home. You can have them involved in the process. So then you go, okay, look, you can have some of the Lay's. Yeah. Tell me which one you like better. They might say the Lay's they might, or they might say the sweet potato chips, you know, but give them yeah. choice. Choice, but it's balanced too. Balanced. You know, it's 80-20. You can't control everything. So when you're at home, 
as much as you can control, great. Yeah. When you're out, just let go because yeah. like social toxins can be so much worse, mm -hmm. you know, than even chemical ones. So like the pressure and like the stress and the worry, mm -hmm. even on parents. And then that makes it harder for them to parent because they're not as calm, they're not as patient. Mm -hmm. And that just removes it from the table if you just have that concept of 80-20 or whatever your percentage may be. Right, right. And that actually eases me because I don't have kids, but if and when I do... Yeah. I'm over here worried about what is a school going to be giving them because yeah. I know when I was in school, I was having Rice Krispies treats, yeah. famous Amos cookies. Yeah. Oh, I loved those. I, oh, I, my. I was having uh, juice cartons, apple juice cartons, whole milk cartons. Yes. Uh, what else? Dunkaroos, Gushers. Yeah. I, can name, I can name them all. I mean, this fruit was by like the foot, fruit by know? the foot. Yeah. And I was going in on them and I, was, I, I had a crazy sugar addiction, yeah. right? I couldn't wait to come home and, and eat, you know, whatever was in the freezer that I could just put in the toaster and put icing on. The bagel bites. That, the bagel oh, bites. It was, yes. So it's just, but, you know, and, and, and again, a lot of parents put, even parents listening now and they go, oh man, I, I, why did I give that to my kids? You know, like For, take that blame Take away. that blame away and just start fresh. When you mm -hmm. know better, yeah. do better. And like, you'll get there. And everybody's at a different point in their journey. And just try to change up one thing. If you feel like, okay, your family is eating not the greatest meals for, for dinner, try switching out one meal. Yeah. You know, start small and go from there, you know. One meal. Make it one meal. And mm -hmm. low expectations, mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. um, because if you feel like, all right, I'm going to make this amazing healthy meal and then nobody eats it. Mm -hmm. That's why I say low expectations. Mm -hmm. It's got to be a journey. You've got to start changing what you eat to implement it with your children, mm -hmm. and it will get there. So one thing that I know helped me as a kid is I would make like a tradition between me and my mom. We'd go food shopping together every every Saturday or Sunday, right. and I would be excited because it yeah. would be quality time, which yeah. is my love language as a whole. Yes. But I get to spend it, and I go food shopping, and I go up and down the aisles. With my mom, and I'd see what she's putting in there. So I was very familiar with what was coming home. I'd help yeah. bring in the, the bags, unpack it. I'd know where what goes. So I always had a pulse on what food was in our house. Yeah. I didn't know what healthy was. Right. But at least I felt like I was part of the process. So the food that was on my yeah. in my lunch, I didn't make it with my mom or dinner, make it. But I knew that, like, we bought it. Yeah, you didn't question it because you had you were part of the right, process. Right, I was part of the process. So maybe we can bring even kids food shopping with us yeah. sometimes, you know. And and she would let me pick out uh, really quick. Like, she, she'd go, I'd run actually to the bins, you know, at the super, mm -hmm. at the, with all the candies. Like, yeah. and I'd get these sharks the, with the blue on the top, white on the bottom. What? I totally know what you're you know talking about. Yes. And I, and I, and I go, I go, I go, hey, mom, can I have, like, you know, maybe. So, because I came with her, I get, like, it's my treat. I'd have, yeah. like, three little sharks. But that was part of the the process, right. of, you know. So maybe we bring our kids and get them a treat, you know, yeah. get them a treat on the way there. But they can be part of that process. I'm going to do one tip with the treats. Get the treat, but hold it for your afternoon snack so they have to wait for it. So you're teaching them delayed gratification, oh. So, which is a skill that is often lacking in children, especially nowadays when everything's at our fingertips. Something that you actually have to teach do that with their treats. I think we just got to the root cause why I don't delay gratification. Because <laughs> I, I got those shark candies whenever I wanted it. Yes. Interesting. Um, yeah. So, okay. So, uh, so we have now a, a nice blueprint for parents listening, yeah. um, how we can approach uh, changing our child's palate or having them, having them have a better relationship with food. And as we, as they get older, is there a part where we start telling them more about education? Like, is there, like, let's say with, with the teens, right, where mm -hmm. we now we understand the capacity of, like, maybe food quality is really important. Is this a time now that we start, like, 
talking about the, the theoretical concept of what healthy food is versus yeah. not? I actually go younger. You go younger, okay. I go younger than teens because kids are capable of understanding. I'll give you an example. My seven-year-old, we talk about soil health. We mm-hmm. talk about, you know, hey, when you're spraying pesticides on something, you know, what is that doing? What is that doing to the plant? What is that doing to the dirt? You know, and so we talk about we compost and we make our own dirt. And I recognize that not everybody is able to do that. But there are a number of great books, you know, out there that help you use that as a tool to talk about with your children. Okay, what is this doing to our planet? What is this doing to our soil? What is this doing to our food? So they actually take it in so they understand and say, oh, I don't want to buy that. That's in plastic. Mm-hmm. Is that all right? Mm-hmm. You know, that if we buy that plastic, it's going to end up on the, you know, in the beach and, you know, in the ocean. You know, so they start to become more aware. Yes. And again, kids are great observers. Makes yeah. so much sense. Makes so much sense how we can just, even at a young age, you're right. Yeah. I'm over here thinking, no, you do it at a young age and just let them observe and learn. Yeah. And, you know, they may not understand concepts yet, yeah. but they know. They've already for years have Break been seeing the soil, understanding what yeah, soil is. Yeah, talk about is. artificial dyes, explain it. You don't have to actually go into the chemistry behind it, okay. but you can just give them like, hi, right, let's look at this word. Mm-hmm. What's this word? What's what's this word? Mm-hmm. It's hard to pronounce. It, it is hard to pronounce, yeah, yeah for sure. Um, so, so what are some what are some maybe then your top three things that we can start doing today? What are like the most impactful things you think that we can do for just child's health as a whole? Not only okay. just like having them eat healthier food, just as a whole of what you're seeing, uh, the epidemic in children. What are the immediate things we can do? That's a great question. I mean, so many things come to mind. Um, but I would really probably focus on the first thing, um, starting at home, um, cooking more meals at home, you know, and if you can't afford organic, that's all right. Start with the fruits and vegetables or go to the EWG, the environmental working group, look up the dirty dozen and Mm -hmm. the clean 15, you know, and find out what foods are important to get organic and which ones, you know, you, you don't need to, you can buy conventionally and just start with that. And I think, growing food with kids, you know, even if you're in an apartment, get a pot, put it on the windowsill, let them see where it comes from, visiting a farm, you know, doing that as your, you know, weekend activity, let them see that, be out in nature. And I'm going to sidetrack that, be out in nature is important, be outside. Like kids today, there's an obesity epidemic with kids, get them outside. Kids today are barely outside running around. Which is crazy because that's like in 20 years it's happened. I mean, in the 70s, kids used to be introduced to screens at the age of four. Now it's at four months. Oh. You know, kids, they're just in front of a screen. They're not outside, you Mm -hmm. know, and maybe, maybe a half an hour a day, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe 45 minutes and that's it. Then they're inside. If you get kids active and outside, they take Mm -hmm. in a lot of nature. It just helps ground them which is something you always promote. Yeah. Um, so I think that's important. Um, and then the other thing is just educating them. Mm-hmm. You know, don't think that because your child is young that they don't understand. Give them more credit. Mm-hmm. We as parents, caregivers, adults, we think that we want to control everything. Mm-hmm. Let go of that control. Stop trying to control your child and collaborate with them. Uh, work take a with deep them. Breath. Yeah. yeah. Work with breath. them. Yeah. You know, listen to your child. We're not listening to enough to them enough. If they say, hey, I don't like that. Hmm. Yeah, Mm -hmm. you don't like that today. Mm -hmm. I'll add in that word today. Right. And it might change over time, which is, which is a great point. We had uh, some, uh, my friend, James Marin, Mm -hmm. one of the first shows he's done, he said, if your kid is like eating like a, like an animal on one day and, you know, a week later they have no appetite, 
you know, this yeah. doesn't mean something's wrong with them. No. Kids' hormones fluctuate. They go up and down, right? Yeah. If you're ever concerned about it, look at a two-week period. Mm-hmm. In two weeks, they're not eating at all. Then, go to your doctor. Then that's something to look right. for. But, you know. But smaller than that. Kayla, and, they, and they're so much better listening to their bodies than we are. Oh, 100%. Right? So if they're not hungry, they'll fast for a whole day. And yeah. then we go, what's wrong with our, well, my kid? He's not eating anymore. Let go. Do you let go? Ah, yes. This is taking stress off of me. I don't have kids. Yeah. Unbelievable. <laughs> I love it. My future Just self is so happy and thanking you for this. All right, Doc, thank you for coming on the show. How do we find you? Uh, I've got an Instagram, Dr. Organic Mommy, DR period, mm-hmm. Organic Mommy. And I've got a website, DrOrganicMommy.com as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's where you find me. I'm slowly rolling out consultations. Great. Um, all charity, all the proceeds from my consultations go to charity. Right. Um, if you guys do need discount codes, I'm happy to offer those as well. I love that. And I love yeah. what you're doing in the world. Thank I've been you. trying to get you on here for a while. We yeah. finally got you in. We yes. made it work. And I know all the parents out there are really grateful. Um, And like I said, my future parent self is very grateful already. (laughs) So thank you for coming on the show and we will talk more. Yes, thank you. Awesome conversation with uh, Dr. Natasha Beck. Like I said, we, there's a place about teaching our kids and in a way to do it. And she's really putting out that information. We can really empower kids to eat healthier and make better decisions so they're put in a good place over time when they're older and they're making those decisions with their kids. It can One little change can go a really long way. Thank you for rating, reviewing, subscribing, listening, taking the time out. I love you all and I'll see you next week.